This is Talkin' Mule Deer with your hosts, Steve Belinda and Jody Stemmler. Talkin' Mule Deer takes you on a journey to learn more about the Mule Deer Foundation, Mule Deer and Black-Tailed Deer Biology and Management, tips and tactics for hunting, conservation issues, and even features some of our corporate and celebrity partners. Now, let's start talking Mule Deer. All right, we are live from the Western Hunting and Conservation Expo. My name is Jody Stemmler. I'm here with Steve Belinda, and we're your host for the MDF podcast we're launching this year. Steve, welcome. Hey, welcome, Jody. And since this is our first one, we're going to ask our listeners to give us a little bit of latitude and uh, moving this thing forward. And it's our great pleasure to be here with the president and CEO of the Mule Deer Foundation. Yep, we've got Miles Moretti here, and we're going to talk and learn ground up a little bit about Miles himself, where his background is, and about the Mule Deer Foundation. Um, And then we're going to talk Hunt Expo. We're going to hear a little bit about what goes on here and why all the fuss and why, you know, this is becoming one of the top destinations for for sportsmen, Western sportsmen, but sportsmen across the country at this point right now. But let's start with the Mule Deer Foundation, a little bit about the history. Um, The the, the purpose of the Mule Deer Foundation is to ensure the conservation of mule deer and black-tailed deer and their habitat. So tell us a little bit about where it got started how long it's been around and, and and what your mission is well Jody and Steve thank you for uh, having me on today and and it's my pleasure that uh, to come and speak about something that's so close to my heart and that's that's the mule deer foundation um, being the president and CEO you you uh, you kind of are the face and the voice of the organization but uh, um, the mule deer foundation started in with the passion for people that hunted mule deer back in the in the 80s um, our founder Emmett Burroughs would go around the west filming and hunting mule deer and he noticed that uh, mule deer numbers were starting to decline and he was not seeing the numbers of deer uh, where he had been in previous years and his philosophy is is he he then decided he wanted to give something back to uh, to conservation and to mule deer and he his idea was to start the mule deer foundation so in 1988 he formed the mule deer foundation in redding california and uh, and since then we've uh, expanded out we've had our headquarters in reno nevada and then when i came on board in 2006 we moved the uh, national headquarters to salt lake city utah and uh, it's uh, been a wild ride Um, we were a fairly small organization when we started but uh, our growth's just been phenomenal in the, in the last 12 uh, years, and, uh, and for a lot of reasons that we've had that growth. Well, now, here, let's hear about a, you a little bit, because, you know, you've been in the wildlife community. You work for Utah Division of Wildlife. You know, he looks like an old biologist. <laughs> you know, I tell everybody I'm a recovering biologist. Uh. But, but you, uh, you worked um, in the trenches, literally. I mean, you've worked in the field and understand the biology and then the policy arena as well. So what you bring to Mule Deer Foundation is a pretty important part. Well, I, I grew up in southwest Wyoming, and, and I always say I grew up in the golden age of mule deer uh, through the late 50s and 60s, and our family hunted mule deer and, and sage-grouse. There were abundant numbers of sage-grouse and antelope. That was what we hunted, and but we had a, I had a passion for hunting mule deer. And when I went to Utah State University to get my wildlife degree, I, I started working with the Utah Division of Wildlife Resources in the 70s, and I was I was a field biologist, and uh, I was everything from um, uh, a research biologist to a non-game biologist when we had non-game people, uh, non-game biologists, and uh, so I. And got, that's those things that we don't hunt. And don't fish. hunt and fish. That's right. And so I got that experience of working with endangered species, content, you know, different species. But then as I, I uh, became moved up through the ranks in different positions, uh, I, I managed uh, our big game herds and uh, 
and our law enforcement people. And so, and then I retired in 2006 as the assistant director and, and a great career, um, but I wasn't ready to retire yet. And when the Mule Deer Foundation offered me this position, I, I jumped at it and, uh, and, uh, and it's the best thing I think I've ever done. So it's career. been 12 years 12 since years. you've been with the Mule Deer yeah. Foundation. And tell us a little bit about the growth of the organization, how it's changed um, since you've come on board. Yeah, and this is not just a Western thing, right? This is a nationwide organization. We're a national organization. In fact, we could actually say we're international. We have members from, uh, from uh, all over the world, not a lot outside of the United States, but we do have Canadian members and um, people from Mexico, New Zealand. Um, some of our exhibitors from even from South Africa or Africa have joined. Uh, but mainly we're in the West. Most of our chapters are in the West, but uh, I always uh, tell people we have a chapter in Houston, Texas. There's no mule deer there. We have one in Shreveport, Louisiana. There's no mule deer there. Uh, Jefferson City, Missouri, those people either want to hunt mule deer or are mule deer hunters and come out. Most of the western states have a lot of non-residents that come and hunt. So uh, you see people from Pennsylvania, you see people from, from all over, a lot of Californians uh, come out to uh, uh, Wyoming, Idaho, Colorado to hunt. And uh, so yeah, we're a nationwide organization. So, uh, so you have members and you have, you know, you guys go out and do projects on the ground. You work with state agencies, federal agencies. Our, our model is, is that um, we uh, have white, like to have local chapters and we like to have a local committee uh, put together a chapter. Uh, we have an, a regional director in each state that kind of oversees the uh, local chapters. And what, what they do is they fundraise through a banquet once a year or they'll uh, a novel thing we've come up with is beers for deers. We go to a local brewery and have a little auction and make some money, and, and that's how we recruit new chapter members. And then um, one of the things that's really exploded in the last five years is our volunteers and getting out on projects. Um, uh, here at the Western Hunting and Conservation Expo, we'll have a, an event where we honor our volunteers, and we have a record number of volunteer hours this year. And it's just amazing. Uh, how passionate our members and volunteers are. Now with other organizations, Miles, we often hear about how much they've done, how many acres of habitat's been conserved or how much money's been raised. Do you have those numbers at hand? You know, just let us know how much of an impact you've had for mule deer. Well, we, 88% of every, every dollar we raise uh, goes to our mission accomplishment. But um, when we've, um, we've done over uh, somewhere between a million and a half and two million acres of habitat restoration. Um, that is really um, what we do a lot of is, is habitat projects, water projects, uh, removing fence that's not wildlife friendly. Um, those, those are what our la local chapters do. But also we have uh, major programs within uh, our organization, our stewardship habitat program, where we work with uh, federal agencies uh, helping to uh, create healthy forests and healthy rangelands, and uh, also uh, reseeding fires. And uh, there's just a whole bunch of projects that we're involved in. Sometimes we're not the lead on a project. We're just contributing funds or labor, and uh, we believe in partnerships. We can do more as, as a group of conservation organizations than we can alone. Well, you've had quite a bit of growth. Can you, you know, rough numbers about where you've gone with your chapters and, and where, you know, where you see it going in terms of membership and opportunities? We're, um, our growth is um, 
been steady over the last few years, and, and I think uh, I just signed a couple new char chapter charters, and we're right near 160 local chapters nationwide, um, and uh, right around 40,000 active members, and we're continuing to grow. And, and all our financials, uh, our 990s, are on our website if somebody wants to go look at our money. When I started uh, with the organization in, uh, in 2006, um, our annual gross income was just a little over $2 million. Um, we just closed the books on our year last year, and we're right near $12 million. Um, and that's, that's continuing to grow, and that, that's accelerating because of these landscape stewardship projects that we're doing. They're, they're bringing in major dollars from the, from, from the federal agencies for us to accomplish uh, these projects. Well, in a big way that Mule Deer Foundation um, helps to raise some of these funds is through the Western Hunting and Conservation Expo. So, you know, we're here. We're doing it right now. That's 11 years, 12 years that you've been This is the 12th year. This is the 12th year. So it's been started. It started, and I know it was a lot smaller than it is now. We now have 500,000 square feet of exhibit space with over 400 exhibitors. We get 40 to 50,000 people walk in the halls. We have 1,700 people per night at our annual banquets, uh, the evening banquets. Tell us a little bit about the growth of that, where it came from, and, and why it's become kind of your primary fundraising um, to, to do the projects that you do. When we started, you know, there were a lot of people that said we couldn't do this this expo. Uh, for one thing, it's unique. A lot of a lot of the the conservation groups do an individual convention. Um, we started out with the Wild Sheep Foundation and uh, Sportsman for Fish and Wildlife, a local Utah group, and ourselves. And after two years, Wild Sheep decided they wanted to go back on their own, and they're now in Reno. And Frankly, we really struggled those first few years uh, to gain traction and notoriety, and people just thought we were a local Utah show. Um, but as we persevered and uh, and and as we started to grow, and 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 the people showed up, and they were actually buying product. Uh, some of our vendors, I remember in those early years, they said, "I didn't sell much." Uh, now we're their number one sports show where they sell, and our growth in exhibitors has really come from other exhibitors telling their neighbor at another sports show, you got to be at the Western Hunting and Conservation It's a Expo. consumer show. They come and they're, they're, these people I've are looking. I've been here for 11 years, and I've watched it grow in front of my eyes. Yep, and, and the people that are coming here are, are very avid sportsmen and women and their families. There's a great youth area that the kids can come and, and learn about hunting and conservation and shoot BB guns and pellet guns and, uh, and and all kinds of different things. So it's a great family experience. But they're here because they're the, the companies are, the manufacturers are bringing some of their latest and greatest gear and they can get the best materials that they need for it. It's, it's pretty good win-win for the hunter and for the companies for sure. And, and I think, and now we're starting to uh, also as we've expanded the visitors, uh, the exhibitors, and the and the and the number of people coming, we're also starting to add new events. Our youth area is growing. Um, our NAS tournament this year uh, is going to have over 1,100 kids. Now, what's that? The NAS National, is the National, National Archery, Archery in the Schools program. We hold a one-day event every year. That's continued to grow, and uh, we uh, we're uh, we're also this year for the first time having a duck and goose calling contest because That's we awesome. kind of even though we're the mule deer foundation this expo is about all wildlife next year we're thinking about having an elk calling contest uh adding some things we have seminars 
uh, with various uh, celebrities and experts in the field. You can learn uh, kind of how-to tips. And so uh, it's, it's, there's just a little bit of something for everybody here. Now, Miles, i got to ask a couple questions. Uh, there's been some controversy about the Expo through the years. Uh, there's been questions about, you know, where the money goes to and the, and the fact that you take some tags from the state and you auction them off uh, to the highest bidder. You know, tell us really what's going on from your perspective on that. You know, let's cut through the, the BS and get to really, you know, tell us how you're using that money and how that's helping mule deer and blacktail deer. Yeah, I mean, I mean, to be frank, our, uh, our, our, there was some controversy over the state of Utah giving us 200 tags to auction and uh, or to draw, have, have a drawing. And that wasn't very popular. Uh, the public thought we took those out of the public drawing. And we, uh, we've worked through that. And we, uh, our, our folks are, are coming in droves. We're doing record number of applications. Uh, the other thing that's given people concern is the state wildlife agencies have what we call auction tags. And uh, that, that, that tag goes to the highest bidder. Some people feel like that gives somebody, a, uh, puts them at the front of the line just because they're a rich guy. Well, I can tell you, most of the people that buy these tags say they feel like this is how they can give back to conservation. Sometimes they don't even harvest an animal. And we return 93% of that money back to the states. Some of the states require us to return 100%, some 90% that we keep a small overhead fee. But So it averages out that 93% of that money goes back to the state wildlife agency and generally is used on the uh, management of that species. So, so that money we, we sell and generate, but, but a lot of times we don't control. It goes back to the states. But most of the money raised here we control and we put on the ground and last year alone, we did almost $1.4 million in habitat projects. And a lot of that money came from these auction tags and the, and the 200 tag applications. So the 200 tags is, uh, is important because that's another one that, that we've heard about that, um, that has been a little bit of a controversy. What, but that is levels the playing field to a certain extent. So somebody can go get a tag for 250 or $300,000. But then here's these others where somebody just puts in $5 and it's a drawing and that person can, can get that same tag that that person just paid 250,000. And that's a big revenue generator. And again, that stays here in Utah for, for conservation. Well, we always attempted from, from the beginning that if we were going to have these high dollar bid tags at these, uh, at this convention uh, from these various states that we needed something for the average person. And when we talked to the state of Utah, they, they said, we will give you 200 tags to, to conduct a drawing, uh, $5 a tag. When you're successful, you just pay the regular license fee. And, uh, and we get to keep a portion of that $5 application fee. And that goes to directly on the ground. Uh, we keep a very small part of that as overhead. Um, this last year, um, uh, our split from our partners, and when we took our expenses out of it, it was almost $400,000. And I spent all of that on projects in the state of Utah because it has to be spent in the state of Utah. Um, so, uh, And we were able to uh, uh, complete projects across the state, everything that helped sage grouse, elk, mule deer, um, antelope. And uh, it's, to me, it's a great program, and it's a great way for the for the state of Utah to leverage dollars with private dollars with the federal dollars. So we've got people, average hunters, who can come here. Um, they can 
go online. They have to come to Hunt Expo to show their credentials uh, to, to be able to show that they're a resident. Or there are a few for non-residents. There are uh, lifetime, once-in-a-lifetime um, tags as well. But for $5, they can get the same tag that somebody who the night before just bid $250,000 for. Absolutely. Uh, you know, a great example of that is the Henry Mountains deer herd. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll sell a, a tag at, on the Henry Mountains for $100,000. Uh, in a few days, somebody's going to draw that same tag, pay $5 or their application fee and their license and and they're they're hunting side by side with that person with the same opportunity, and so um, that's a key the thing that we all have always tried to do. And uh, a lot of people there's a lot of misinformation out there, and I, you know you you know we'll get some feedback, but some I I I I, I say sometimes I'm a voyeur on some of the chat rooms. I just like <laughs> to see what's going on, and uh, and there's a lot of misinformation out there, you know, and uh, and people you know not knowing how the system works, but but I can tell you um, the the 200 tags um, money generated, the conservation permit program here in Utah and the other states is helping and we're seeing uh, increases in deer herds and other wildlife herds across the West despite our growth and all the other impacts. Well, and that's an important thing to, to, to note because um, those, I, I will never be able to afford a couple hundred thousand dollar deer tag, but I'm glad somebody else can because that money, like you said, 90 to 100% of that is going on the ground and you're showing the results of that here in Utah yeah. with increased deer numbers. I think yeah. it's a great testament to the to the partnership and cooperation that all the sportsmen's groups uh, have had with the state sure. to manage the mule Sure, there's plenty of other... Yeah. States, uh, you know, programs that do get tags um, yeah. and sell them as well. Yeah. They just happens to be that you know, and there's there's a whole bunch of them here. Well, well having we, been pretty lucky through the, through my life on draw, you know, I've won a few tags, and I'll tell you what, you know, that opportunity as the average Joe is great, and I've had a great time, and I and I put in for tags every year, even though my hunting time is limited. So, yeah, and I and I think that you know, uh, one of the things because we have so many of those auction tags here, we. That's just been an area where we've been really good at, at working with the states to get those tags here. And then we've been really successful in the crowds that show up here, uh, bidding those not, those uh, tags up to a record number. And, that, and that's great because it all goes back to conservation. Um, we can argue all day long whether that puts somebody at the front of the line or not. But the state wildlife agencies have decided this is how they're going to raise money. We're just taking it. We're just doing their program. Right. And state agencies, I mean, we all have to be realistic here. State agencies are hurting. State Fish and Wildlife Agencies, the number of most of their revenue comes from hunters and anglers, license revenues, and their Pippin Robertson Wildlife Restoration Funds. And, and it's they're they're struggling. They have a lot more duties to do. This is a great way to make sure that that money goes to the species that we care about as hunters. Yeah. And, and the way I look at it is, is conservation's got to be a big tent. You know, we shouldn't be picking fights amongst ourselves about, you know, how we raise the money. We should be going out there and raising the money because without that money, conservation is not going to get done. Well, and, and we all know, I mean, and deer have been, blacktail deer, mule deer have definitely faced some de declines and definite challenges. So the work that the Mule Deer Foundation has been doing on that, um, the money that's raised here at Hunt Expo, all of that is going to improve all of our hunting experiences. Now, now, looking at the program here for Expo, I mean, this must be a pretty major event. You've got the Secretary of Interior coming in. You've got the founder of, of uh, Bass, Bass Pro, Pro coming in. Morris and, you know, in, what yeah. I'm really looking forward to is Saturday night with Sarah Evans. Sarah Evans is going to be great. You know, how did, how, I mean, how hard was it, Miles, to convince people that, you know, have a lot of 
demands on their time to come be part of this. Well, I think it's it's the success and how we've grown. Um, you know, one of the things when we uh, first started the expo here, as I said, a lot of people doubted we could pull this off because we weren't in Reno or we weren't in Las Vegas where there were a lot of other activities. Salt Lake was always kind of considered a sleepy little town. You know, uh, you know, we, people make fun of us with our liquor laws, all those things. But the fact is, is we had to do something unique. We had to try to go out and be different than the other groups. And one of those was entertainment. And so we've always tried to bring in a little mix of old and new and bring in some entertainment for after our auctions. And uh, we've tried to attract some world-class uh, speakers here. And uh, I'm, I'm really excited about having the Secretary of Interior here. Um, I'm really, really excited about having Johnny Morris here. Uh, the founder of Bass Pro, truly a, a visionary in our uh, He owns Cabela's room. now, correct? And, and, right, and that's right. Right, so. and 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 they Cabela's has always been a sponsor of ours because they've been a Western group, and so they've continued that sponsorship. Um, Bass Pro, hopefully in the future, will continue to grow their sponsorship, but. But I, there's not a bigger conservationist in this country than Johnny Morris, and, and personally he, committed and yep. really involved uh, and engaged. He gives a lot of money, millions every of dollars, yeah. and, yep. and now his new Wonders of Wildlife, which you were right. at the right. opening for that. I mean, there's so much to teach about the conservation ethic, the commitment to the people who hunt and fish, and to the species. He's 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 foundational on that. Now, Miles, we know that one of the things that's exciting you about the secretary being here some of the work you've been doing on with him is there anything you can tell us at this time about you know the, the announcement that's coming up um, you know and, and how we're gonna you know how that's gonna benefit mule deer well there's there's a couple things that have been exciting that the secretary's done first of all one of his first days in office we were able to be with him and he did secretarial order 3356 which actually uh, uh, kind of directed uh, the BLM to spend more emphasis on sage-grouse and mule deer habitat projects and, and expediting the planning of those so we could get on the ground and get those done. But but here at the Expo, uh, there will be an announcement uh, and a secretarial order where um, he they're looking at the Department of Interior engaging with their partners, state wildlife agencies, and their other federal uh, agencies on big game corridors. And we're very excited about that because... Big game corridors and migration corridors mi and winter range, winter right? Range so that's where, that's the the biggest challenge for, for deer and elk and pronghorn. And, and, uh, and those are three high-profile species. Uh, a lot of people have seen some of the video and things coming out of Wyoming. Um, all the states now have mule deer initiatives, and a lot of them are focusing on migration, um, and uh, several of the states have put hundreds of collars on. And with this new GPS tracking uh, technology on these radio collars, you can get instant readings 24 hours a day. And some of these migration corridors are hundreds of yards wide, and they've been used for centuries. And so we need to make sure that those are protected or those that we don't let something impede that, uh, like a house or a, a fence or, or a road or something like that. So um, that, that announcement's going to set that moving forward at a great pace. So what we're going to see is a prioritization of those corridors and those pinch points that you talked about. Absolutely. Corridors, and, and again, winter range. Yeah. I mean, it's so these the, crucial winter range habitats. Here. Well, I know, Miles, that's something you and I have worked on for about a decade, and, and I can tell you uh, congratulations on, you know, 
bringing this to the finish line. It's been a long, hard slog. Well, it's a finish line, yeah. but it's a start because yeah. it is the finish line to make it a priority. And now it's the start for what uh, MDF, um, other organizations, and the federal government and state fish and wildlife agencies are going to be able to do to implement um, you know, these improvements. Well, the big thing is, is these, these migration corridors now, it'll help us to figure out where we, where we need to put wildlife crossings on major highways. It's going to help us to figure out stopover areas where they stop for a while and then where we need to do habitat improvement. That's a really key because a lot of these, some of our rangelands and forests are, are in poor condition. And if we can go in and do a habitat project in a critical migration corridor or on their winter range, then, then those animals are all going to benefit from that. I, I know you're running short on time here, Miles. Um, what excites you the most about uh, the Mule Deer Foundation and, and the, the, the rest of the year and the next few years? Um, you know, what are you really looking forward to accomplish? And, and then we're going to have to let you go because I know you're busy. Well, I, I, um, I'm really excited about the new initiatives that are coming along. Our stewardship program is really taking off. And some of our work on habitat restoration, the plantings that Steve, you, and I are involved in on some of these burn scars. I'm excited about the, the, how everybody is coming together to, to have this vision for these, these programs. The Forest Service is really excited about our stewardship program. And, uh, and then the other thing I'm excited about is our growth of our memberships and how our members and volunteers are just on fire for, for uh, doing what they can to help us improve uh, uh, mule deer habitat and, and see better mule deer populations. It's exciting times for the Mule Deer Foundation. Congratulations to you right. for what you've Thank accomplished you. in a dozen years, and looking forward, there's a lot to lot to compete. A lot be more a, to do. A lot more, a lot to, more do. to do. Yeah, Miles. Uh, thank you so much for all you do for wildlife, for mule deer, for blacktail deer. And, uh, you know, make sure you're drinking a lot of water out there on the floor because I know you've got a couple of busy days. <laughs> it's a busy day. And for yeah. the, our listeners, if uh, if you need to learn more about the Mule Deer Foundation, it's www.muledeer.org. Um, there's all kinds of contact information, learning about chapters, um, learning Become about the organization member. and yeah. projects, and becoming a member. So, again, www.muledeer.org. Uh, for Hunt Expo, it's www.huntexpo.com. Yeah. And you can get all the information. And if you are not here this year, make a plans to come next year because it is quite an event. It's a fun okay. time. Yep. All right. Thanks, Miles. Thank Thanks, you. Miles. Appreciate it. Thanks for talking mule deer with Steve Belinda and Jody Stemmler. The Mule Deer Foundation is the only conservation group in North America dedicated to restoring, improving, and protecting mule deer and black-tailed deer and their habitat. MDF is a strong voice for hunters in access wildlife management, and conservation policy issues. To find out more, visit www.muledeer.org and stay tuned for the next episode of Talkin' Mule Deer.